Hello and welcome. You're listening to Saltgrass, Turning the Goldfields Green. So today's episode is being recorded as we broadcast live from the studios at Main FM, which is not usually the case for me. Today I've got Madeline Hudson with me in the studio and we're going to be talking about zero waste food. She's facilitating an online class on that topic at the Community House here in Castlemaine, which you could sign up for no matter where you're listening from. So we'll be chatting about the course and zero waste as a lifestyle choice as it's, you know, a bigger movement than just food and a lot of people are trying to take it on even in little ways. And we're also going to have a chat about her life because she's done some really interesting things and some of the other things she does around this town since she's moved out here. First, though, I want to recognise that we're talking to you from Jara country, home of the Jajarung. No treaty was signed. Sovereignty was never ceded. I pay respects to the elders past present and emerging so 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 the earth people grassroots change so grass listen to all episodes of turning the goldfields green on saltgrass.podbean.com Madeline, welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you. It's so good to be here. <laughs> oh, it's so great to have you. <laughs> so we're chatting to you about all sorts of things today, but I thought we'd start a little bit with about you and your life story and how you got here and how you got to care so much about sustainability and the environment and all of that sort of stuff. Since I'm on a sustainability show. Yes, yes, you know, yes. So tell us a bit about yourself. Well, it's nice. Yeah, it's nice to talk about my background a little bit. It's, um, so I cut my teeth, my activist teeth, on frontline direct action back in the back in the 90s <laughs> back in the day back in the late 90s no it's interesting that this coming to castle maine has been a nice retrospective like looking back on 20 years it's quite a quite a thing in one's life mm. but yeah, i was doing heaps of forest action so frontline direct forest action up in east gippsland through an anarchist collective called gecko the goonga environment center office i think the acronym was a bit the office we needed an o for, anyway. <laughs> anyway so acronyms are a bit like that though you're kind of like what words can we put together still make sense but yeah make the word so that's i sort of just got launched into that i was mm. 23 you know i didn't actually know that clear fell logging was going on which was crazy back then and i was just like i, don't, I can't believe i didn't know it was actually going on so i spent years and years doing so how did you find out a friend just a good friend called me and said, hey, I'm going down to a blockade down in East Gippsland. Do you want to come? I'm like, a blockade? What's that? Sounds scary. <laughs> sounded exciting. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it sounded exciting. So um, went down there and I spent years down there doing, being arrested, <laughs> climbing trees, locking on to machines wow. and stuff and all that sort of frontline yeah, stuff. So huge. that was massive for me because that was mm. my calling back to the earth. You know, when you have mm. these things inside you and that was like, bam, this is you on the earth, Madeline. This is the way, yeah, you want to live with that direct relationship. Mm. So that so was, that really connected you to a sense of belonging to the earth, to be able to fight for it. And, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And it brought me back. And then I did. Did so, you, sorry, can yeah. I just interrupt? Mm. I've spoken to a few people who've done direct action. Did you do any training in nonviolent direct action <laughs> before you went down there or while you were down there? We trained ourselves on the go. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, because it was so... It was so cutting edge back then and we were an anarchist collective so we were all in our like early 20s mid 20s doing this really full-on stuff yeah. like really full-on and for us it just became our way of life and I remember a few years later going hang on this is not normal yeah. um, and I had to pull myself out and sort of hang and sort of like look at what we're doing and what we're going through and sort of check the trauma the potential trauma that sure. physical danger we're putting ourselves in which we did you know mm. there was some violence that happened um, when the timber industry was collapsing in the early 2000s mm. and contracting and the loggers the pen you know the contractors the pennies were dropping it's like oh it's not the greenies who cost jobs it's you know the, the big the big fellas pulling the strings as always and the yeah. little people losing out and all that you know squabbling yeah, yeah. over resources and squandering of resources so it was quite a baptism by fire i would say to be thrown into the front line and locking yeah. on within the first week is like bam so it was, that, it was that warrior spirit that came yeah. through so that's you know one part of the story and then i worked at Friends of the Earth in Melbourne for quite a few years. So we went out and um, there was all the frontline actions that were being, the country were being called to. So it was the forest, it was, then it was out to Lake Air for anti-nuclear 
protests yep. out at Lake Air South with the Arabana elder Uncle Kevin Buzzacott and it was the Cooper Pedy Kungajuda who were doing mm. work out there to stop uranium, uh, the waste dump, um, radioactive waste dumps on their country. So again, it was, initi- and it was a real initiatory formative years where it was like connecting to country. And so like that's what I had in my in my early days and so I didn't yeah I didn't have to rebel against a system that was um, making me complicit in the destruction of the earth I was mm-hmm. right at that frontline from point your of, early 20s yeah but what, how did you grow up were you raised sort of like suburban middle class or were you were, were your parents aware of this stuff were you raised to be aware of it or was it just well it was funny I was wasn't we were sort of middle class like working class and middle class and I just didn't know about it my parents were humanitarians mm. so my mum's a midwife so she was always fighting for women's you know advocating for women's birthing rights and mm. birthing centers and you know fighting the obstetricians who were trying to you know controlling women's birthing like yeah. that's, and um my dad's a performer and artist so yeah that's a humanitarian sort of uh, yeah. pursuit as well yeah so no look I wasn't exposed to it I'm really I was really surprised when I went to uni and there was activism going on and we were doing activism about hex then because <laughs> I was like the first year that hex came in yeah so people uni. actually have to pay for even if yeah. it's delayed they mm. still have a, a debt because they've gone to uni whereas yeah. before that university was free yeah I was born in 1974 and that was the year when free education came in thank you Goff yeah. and then I was the first year when I went to uni I was the first year like 91 I think when Hex came in I was right. like dope yeah yeah spewing. but yeah anyway so no I just had a really supportive humanitarian um, upbringing and then earthy we had the bush we had the bush down the back so it was just ah. a given sorry that's a bit more context we yeah. just we just had that natural connection to I grew up in the blue mountains so we had bush and space and, adventures, and animals and animals yeah. and all of that so I find that really interesting because of the people that I've interviewed on this show so far a lot of them have had early childhood they may have taken it for granted while they were young but in retrospect it was really foundational to their sense of feeling a, a connection and need to protect it totally because I was, I was I saw some of my writing you know when you go through as you get older you go oh am I yeah. going to keep those books those those books from school yeah. and there's poetry like creative writing from me where I'm like laying on rocks in the bush and listening to the hum <laughs> of things buzzing around me and that was that immersion yeah. that's that connection and immersion that yeah you would take for granted and since I've moved on to do um, education musical education for kids through Zucchini Clan Music mm-hmm. for Free Range Folk which is a musical project I I've been doing for quite some time mm-hmm. and it's funny when you think you have to again take your, take a step out and go oh some people need to be introduced to this yeah but even when I was doing direct action in the bush the same thing was true like you, people need to get out to these places yeah. you need to that was part of it a big part of it was come out to the country come out to the forest and let it come you know let it soak into your being and yeah. then you're affected you're affected by it that cognitive dissonance is a thing that can't yeah watching a really documentary on tv or mm, yeah. online is nowhere near the experience of being immersed and surrounded right. by these massive trees and yeah. hearing the birds communicating with each other like <clears throat> in surround sound yeah and it's yeah. the spirit of the place like mm. for us we had to go through our generation back then just needing the guidance of the elders mm. needing the guidance of the the sovereign people of the country to help us because we were white greeny activists in the forest I mean I sorry I could ramble I, we, I won't ramble on too much about this because <laughs> long story anyone who's listening out there yeah from gecko and forest activism anyone knows these sort of things but you need the guidance because you burn out yeah we were like white greeny activists wanting change wanting it to happen and mm. putting our bodies on the line and people were losing it because things weren't happening and there were political yeah. deals and then we went out in the early 2000s, we went out to Lake Air South and sort of learned about the peace fire and got some Indigenous perspectives of what it means to have to keep fighting for country. Through like, generations, not just for two years or five years. That's right, but generations, generations, what the Indigenous people have gone through, like mm, such horrific... The long game. Horrific, you know, mm. horrific stuff and still yeah. standing up for country and yeah. fighting for it. So that gave us the perspective, you know. Uncle was like... Just settle down. This is the yeah, peace yeah, yeah. fire. Slow down. Yeah. And it was very, yeah, very poignant times for us. Yeah. And so important because, yeah, the long haul. Yeah, Sustainability absolutely. for your person, you know, exactly. your holistic health. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, that's a topic we were talking about off air earlier today mm. and, and it's definitely something I'd like to come back to and explore because I think it is important to recognise that, you know, different people have different needs in terms of their ability to... Mm. be an activist or or take things on and and sort of 
that's changed through your life. But I interviewed Cam Walker a couple of months ago Cam. from Friends of the Earth. Mm. And it's interesting to, to talk to someone who he is a, a long game mm. activist man. and he's been mm. working in that. Because a lot of people do activism in their 20s and then move on and their lives evolve for many reasons. But he's, he's still right there in the middle of it. And, and his perspective is so grounded and he's just so realistic about what political change takes. Mm. The, you know, that idealism of youth when you're in your 20s and you're going to save the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not happening quick enough. Ah, yeah. oh, well. Yeah. But, like, the people who've been in a long time, they're really grounded and they're like, you just got to chip away. You've just got to keep going. And it's, you know, it might not seem like much, but it adds up to a lot. Over time, it, it does. It really does. It's the accumulative effect that anyone who's been mm. in uh, any form of activism—it's a yeah—it's a long-term thing. A lot of stuff will go down, but you'll have wins along the way. And you have mm. to you have to. It's interesting. You have to sort of <laughs> sort of become at peace with that. It doesn't mean you stop fighting, but you actually have to make some peace within yourself. Otherwise, you really do go yeah. down. You have a really hard time, and you'll get depressed, and you'll burn out, and yeah. you just will become bitter and bleak and we don't want that no we don't want that <laughs> so i so i worked at um, friends of the earth with cam walker and all yeah. the crew down there we were a part of a collective called the anti-nuclear and clean energy collective yeah or ace that was our acronym that's a great acronym <laughs> anyway so we we were working primarily with indigenous custodians in south australia um helping them to protect their country from the expansion of the uranium industry mm. and mining and, and water. And waste as well. Waste, yes, so yeah. everything, waste, water and the actual mining and mm. and Indigenous rights, you know. So that was what we did there. I did that for about quite a few years, five years, and did a radio show. I did the radioactive show at 3CR. Yeah, cool. Community radio station, I did that for four years. Awesome. And I was like, yeah, pretending to be a radio journalist. <laughs> I think technically you probably were a radio journalist. Wow, I was. I was faking it till I, till I could make it. But it, yeah, so I did. I practiced that. About two years in, I felt like I was actually sitting in a sweet spot. But it's it's a lot, you know. I was interviewing mm. people who've been, you know, in the game for a long time, advocating and being being political advocates within the nuclear mm. non proliferation, you know, industry. Yeah. So it was a lot for me to to work out. But um, it came from yeah. the heart of wanting to. It sounds like me right now. <laughs> making this show and I'm talking to these people who've had a lifetime of experience and I just take the position of hey I'm here to learn from you and Mm. I want to explore what you know rather than a position of authority and you know I think that's probably the best way to do it because I mean sustainability is so diverse like Mm. you you can talk to a million different people and have a million different takes on on what it is and they're all what it's about every single interview is about a little component of that big picture so yeah and that's the holistic like the whole is yeah. greater than some of its parts it's yeah. like all those will all those parts coming together and uh, <laughs> and so after that I worked at Friends of the Earth did the radioactive show and then I came out to Castle Maine yes. about four years ago so four seasons now I counted in the seasons because it was me getting to come back to the earth and just grow a lot because when I lived up in yeah. East Gippsland and I was doing forest campaigning I just was growing mm. lots of food and I had this amazing really rich river flat soil that I just had to do a tickle up a little bit and I was just growing these huge huge crops of things wow. and and so that was my sort of initiation to growing foods and the abundance that you can have and the low impact because mm. all the sources are there even here I'm like oh I'm buying stuff in plastic bat you know like I yeah. find I'm struggling with that at the moment you know yeah. to get so I have to stop saying you know Excuse it's different why. no don't worry <laughs> it's um it is different here though isn't it because it's the soil is so different here in Castlemaine we're in upside down country that mm. this place has been mined mm. like everything everything that was deep in the earth has been brought up to the surface and all the good soil that used to be here when white people first mm. descended has has disappeared and so it's it's actually really hard to produce good food here and mm. even just like a couple of k's up the road in Harcourt they've got volcanic soil which is a totally different scenario I thought they were basalt oh is it yeah, they're yeah. basalt and then down south towards yeah. Darsford is volcanic cause yeah. I think so I mean yeah, text sure. us in if we're, if we're not quite because we're sort of sandstony yeah and sure and then more basalt and then but down it's better s- soil is better. you know they can that's where all the orchards are for a reason <laughs> totally so anyway so I came back I came here to look after my health and just yeah. come back in time a bit mm. to that's what we were talking about back in terms to the, of the sustainability of the person mm. and I do think if we're going to play a long game and try and do what we can for as long as we can for the earth then we do have to think about not just the sustainability of the planet but our own personal sustainability yeah and that ties into yeah. a big central tenet of the zero waste cooking course is yes. 
food is that all those yeah. systems of nurturing nourishing yourself. nourishing yourself mm. is central to all of that yeah and and to the health of us and, and totally synonymous with the health of the planet so it's yeah. like come on let's do it absolutely and how do we do it and yeah we're going to work out ways to keeping yeah growing growing that concept yeah actualizing it absolutely so we'll talk about the course in a little bit but we've got a song here that is by your band zucchini clan do you want to tell us a little bit about the band zucchini clan music for free range folk it is a collaboration with my dearest dearest long-term friend and co-collaborator jamie antonio who's listening now he lives up in east gippsland right in the center of that spot in goongra where we all were young forest feral activists who evolved and we both started teaching at the school at goongra school little primary school there it's a public school but it's tiny so we were we had a lot of leeway to do a lot of great stuff there still and that's how the you public. met we met forest oh, through yeah. forest activism and yeah. then we had this beautiful continuity where I was teaching at the school and doing music and then I finished up with tag team Jamie started doing music with the kids and he started writing these songs as part of literacy and numeracy these great these great songs and that was the first album so that's wildlife this song's called Seasons and he's going to laugh when we're playing this song because we've played it we played it a lot and we played it live a lot and we got a, we got a little bit sick to death of it but it's a great song and it sings about the yeah, seasons in the gardens Seasons wait for no one get in the garden have some fun plant your seeds yum yum springtime's here Wait. 
It sure is here. Oh, that so is a beautiful song. That is timely and right on the right on the yeah. beat. Yeah. So that was an early song of the Zucchini <laughs> Clan called Season. Very early. Yeah, that yeah. was our debut album. We recorded that many, many moons ago at Irene Art Studio in Brunswick. Oh, I used We've, to have a studio. No, I didn't. I had a studio around the corner from Irene's. Oh, all the studio crew back oh. in the day. Um, so that was recorded at, yeah, the studio there with Dave Butt, who's an amazing co-producer and um, musician collaborator and we also had another member of the band back then Adam Gooderham who mm. lives in Alice Springs now yeah. so we started off as a trio and then Adam left the band and we we're like oh no what are we gonna do what are we gonna do <laughs> and uh, necessity being the mother of invention we were like huh, huh, okay let's um loop pedal so Jamie's like okay come on let's get down with the cool kids get the technology <laughs> happening <laughs> come on so but and that was just a really great evolution and then I was doing vaudeville I'd fell into this I was really lucky to fall into this great traveling medicine show called porcelain punch traveling medicine show with a really one of my best friends who was an activist as well and a frontline activist and uh so we said let's let's make it theatrical it's you know we need to make it engaging so we our characters were born so I became lily pilly green because I was the garden person and Jamie became professor ecocentric (laughs) and he yeah, so we, we developed these funny characters and we bounce off each other really well and we had the loop pedal and we started writing, yeah, the, the sounds of old to keep it interesting for us, just yeah. a bit more electronic, mixing up and we can do a lot of fun stuff on stage so it turned yeah. into a vaudeville sort of musical oh, you, show. You guys are great. I saw you live before <laughs> I'd met you actually but you're very entertaining and I guess some of the songs are aimed at kids mm. but it's entirely engaging for adults as well. Well, you want you it to be. Great. That's good, thanks. Yeah. So that's the whole idea we're like we don't want to listen to that inane music we, we want you know we want it to be good music so yeah and it's for, so when it's played on repeat endlessly in the car the parents don't go insane mm, well even the best song will, will test your limits <laughs> when, when the way kids play songs true, but yeah true. but at least it would last most yeah. of the way so That's, before we listen to that song we were oh, yeah. having a chat about your activist life in your younger years in your 20s and early 30s maybe mm, yeah And then you moved out here and it's sort of like this, I have had this conversation a few times with people who are like frontline activists and they sort of feel a bit ambivalent about the the life changes they've made and whether they've compromised and settled down and all of that stuff. And a few people have had kids and there's various reasons, but it is interesting why people change. And I think age and your capacity and that, Mm. that thing we were talking about earlier about your own sense of being able to sustain that activity is is all important. So what what changed for you out here? Well, it was look, I just love food. I love food. I love cooking. I love growing food. I'm a really earthy, earthy, earthy person. I need the earth. I'm one of those You've people. You've got it who, under your fingernails <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm picking it out. I'm one of those people who, you know, lays down and hugs the earth and does all that stuff. You know, I go and ground myself. So I just needed I needed time out. I needed healing and I wanted to actualize those skills. I'm like, I need to grow again. I want to the permaculture stuff like I haven't actually studied permaculture but I've done a lot and I've read a lot so I'm sort of always reading that information and and incorporating it into my home garden and being here is just so exciting because that food movement is happening and for me like as I said it's so important like we need to look at our food it's like number one Uh, it's so primary for our health and and for the health of the planet like I said before so and for the longevity longevity of our community to have local food sources healthy food, food locally resilience. produced is really important so i'm very mm. very excited to be here even though we're in more you know arid country but locally bioregionally we've got really good stuff happening so and the local farmers market and the gung-ho growers and the harcourt farming collective out there yeah. and there's, there's a bunch of local farmers who are doing small scale really nice beautiful food yeah. So we're really so for community lunch. Yeah. You are the head chef and coordinator of the Casamine community lunch, which is organised by the community house, and it's a once a week lunch during term time. I think or? it is school. Yeah, mm. school term. That's right. Thanks, Ali. Yeah, I was really lucky to land that job. Um, Nikki Valentini who used to be with Growing Abundance and now is doing also amazing culinary, holistic healing 
endeavours yeah. uh, passed passed it on to me. So passed the baton. Yeah, and it was my first head cook job. So I remember back then, it was four years ago. Uh, it's sort of crept off yeah. of me now. Um, sort of the last couple of years I've had a nice, I've been in the flow and the routine because mm. it is big. But I remember that first day in the kitchen going, Ooh, watching Nicky Valentini in the kitchen. I was like, whoa, okay. And then that's me in the kitchen now, yeah. co-collaborating with the amazing volunteers who come yeah. in. And we've had amazing volunteers who help us. And we have quite um, really good continuity with those volunteers, which makes makes for really amazing lunches because I can just delegate and go, hey, you do that, do that dish. And they get get familiar with the way to flavour up big because it's bulk. We got you know, up, we get to up to about 100 people there for community lunch. I'm sure lots of people listening have enjoyed community lunch. So I feel very, yeah, very blessed and humbled to do that work. So what do you see community lunch's role in community? Because I know it's it's quite affordable, so it's there as a resource for people who maybe don't have a lot of cash resources. Mm. But what else does it do in the community? Well, it's that all the stuff we're sort of talking about before, just that continuity of connection, of community connection around food, bringing it back to that those fundamental principles and, uh, and in- inclusivity, being inclusive, yeah, and, and I think it's yeah, it's a it's a weekly ritual for a lot of people. You see the same people there week after week, and they sit down at these big tables and chat to whoever's there, and so it does build community. And I think that's one of the powerful things about food, generally, is that it is it's often the very centre of a community. When you think about a culture, you often think about their food. If you think about Greek culture, you think about Greek food. If you think about Chinese culture, you think about Chinese food. Like it's absolutely it's so fundamental to identity and connection to others and, and build strength in a community, doesn't it? Thanks. Thanks for answering that question for me, <laughs> Ali. <laughs> yeah, I sort of get sort of stuck in, I'm in the middle of just um, doing it. But no, all of that. And I, I suppose, yeah, stepping out, I, I, I know people are missing it out there mm. and so because of covid and had yeah. to close down because of covid so it transferred into the food pantry and i'm still doing the food pantry out in molden so that's uh cooking similar foods really yummy foods wholesome foods and packaging them freezing them and getting them out to people who need a bit of support oh well, that's great and we did that we did that for quite a few months as well up here in castle main mm. so. so that was really great and then we've just had a bit of time out to have a little think and yeah. a reappraise and just again I think a lot of people, like a lot of people during this COVID times, are doing little personal audits and re-evaluating their lives and mm. what, what is really important and also just really looking at sustainable practices and food security is like food, water, resources, security is, yeah, number one. So mm. it's so fundamental. So we're doing that at Community Lunch as well. We've just been having a little look mm. at how the system has been going, having a bit of a retrospective and looking into the future of how we can keep supporting local food systems you know how can we bring in yeah just keep bringing in more sustainable local local food products and still keep it affordable for people so still keeping it accessible for people to come yeah and of course it's a suggested donation of five at the moment five dollars and so you'll never be turned down yes come along and that's and that's really important because again we're so fortunate and we can take for granted that we are looked after and we're healthy and we have access to all this food and we have community and family. But we, as we know, not everyone has that. And so it's so important for a community to keep opening mm. up those avenues for people who might yeah. be a bit yeah, alone. It's yeah. like the worst thing ever to yeah. be alone on so many levels to not have that support. Absolutely. But food's basic nourishment. So, yeah. Yeah, food and company. That's right. Yeah. Soul food. And so you're about to run a zero waste food course. That's right. We'll go to that in a minute. But I thought I'd just see if community lunch incorporates some of the elements of zero waste food. Mm. So how does community lunch do some of that stuff? Well, on the food side, we've got it covered, of course, because... uh, we yeah cook up so much food and there's so many ways we can value add, especially cooking for uh, Castle Main on the Tuesday and then cooking for Molden. So I can cook up a lot and then I can um, cool it down and then use it so I can value add the next day. Mm-hmm. And then we have the compost system and we have food that goes to compost, to the worms, to the pigs, to the chooks. And we have people who are like, can I have your compost? They come with this <laughs> feverish look in their eyes and want the community lunch compost. And so that that's really, that's easy. Yeah. And that's that system's you know, pretty basic. Packaging, we do bulk, bulk stuff. But packaging, as you know, we were chatting earlier, that's, that's, a, that's a challenge mm. to 
got zero waste. Like, well, ooh, that's the zero whole s- challenge of zero waste, isn't it? <laughs> is packaging. It is. <laughs> you know, that's and entirely it. Is, it yeah. And it's and it, especially when you're buying in bulk and things, it's really hard not to have that plastic around whatever it is you're buying. It is. Yeah. And we can recycle that soft plastic, but, you know, we all feel so jaded about the recycling system. And, of yeah. course, it's best to stop it at the source and deconsume and start yeah, absolutely and and plastic recycling in general is imperfect like it's never a hundred percent used and there are you know toxic waste like fumes and things that happen in the recycling process so, so it's, it's imperfect but yeah. it is better than just chucking in landfill or letting it degrade and enter the environment so it's definitely better to collect it and recycle it than not do that but the best thing to do is to mm. not have it in your system in the first place yeah, so at community lunch, um, once, I got, once I got organised and I stopped sort of being on the hop and just like doing this amazing big thing that I was doing for the first time, I just started making sure I got my spices in box or I had containers. So I went, come on, mate, stop, pull up, pull up. You, yeah. want, you want to have your containers, so I'd go and fill them up. And, that, you know, and so zero waste in terms of packaging is all about having your own packages to put things in mm. that, are, that so are durable. So, look, you know, we've been going through... And I'm um, seeing how we can, Im- you know, improve the system and still make things affordable. Definitely, food miles is something that's big. That's big in my life, in my personal life. I try to, make, you know, buy things as as locally as possible. Farmers markets, local growers, and then Australian produce. Mm. I have forgone a few things in my, yeah, a few things that I don't buy in nuts and dried fruit. I don't, I don't buy them as because I can't, can't buy them here. Them mm. But then as we were discussing earlier, off air, there's fair trade. So there's certain things that are important to support growers who are doing like organic fair trade mm. is important. Yeah, well, organic fair trade, I think, even if it's travelled some distance, is perhaps better than non-organic um, pesticide farming in an environment in Australia which isn't supposed to grow those things because it's the wrong climate. And we're using all our water resources and, and all of that stuff to grow things that shouldn't be grown here. That's right. So I think that food miles is definitely one lens to look at things in, mm-hmm. but it's not the only lens. That's right. And that's, a, just, and that's what we start looking at in the, in the Zero Waste Cooking Course. It's really, it really goes in and unpacks and deconstructs these sort of calculations, mm. which is cool. So that's yeah. fun. And it's not about, again, it's not about beating yourself up. This is about empowering each other, yeah. about the empowering each other to co-collaborate, to work towards. We're working yeah. towards this low-impact lifestyle that benefits us and the, the beings and all the other animals and the yeah. s- systems on the planet. The entire, that, yeah, system. That we are inextricably linked to. Yeah, so. and, I, and I do think that a lot of people find even reducing – I did Plastic Free July and did a, a, a series, like two programs on this a couple of years ago with, with a couple of mates, Mel and Rachel, and we just took on the Plastic Free July challenge and we did a show at the start of the month and discussed what we thought might be challenging and, you know, how we might get around it. And then at the end of the month we had a look back and saw what, what had really unfolded. And, <laughs> and the reality is none of us achieved a pro- a plastic free July mm. but we did our best and I think that's the main thing is to become more conscious of it mm. and just be aware of what your alternatives are mm. and you may not do it every time but if you do it more often that's better than never yeah what was mm. the what was the most challenging thing for you to be plastic uh, free what was the well, hardest one one of the things that I did through that month but didn't persist in was getting my animal food um from taking my containers to the butcher or to the animal meat place mm. um, out in Tewton and having that filled up and then going back and because they, they ask you to leave it there and then come and collect it. And if I'd really gotten into a good routine with that. So I did that a couple of times during that month, but I didn't persist with that, um, which is I'm disappointed in. But I have found some good uh, tins of dog food, which is 100% recyclable. So there's, tin is yeah. one of the best recycled products If if you're going to recycle stuff, there's almost zero loss in tin Mm -hmm. and glass comes shortly after that. But, but yeah, it's still a resource and it still takes energy to recycle stuff. So ultimately Mm. it would be better if I did take my containers and get them filled up and created that routine for myself where every Saturday morning I went down, left them some containers, picked up some others. You know, that'd be a nice little system. Yeah. And it's about systems. It's all about systems and yeah, habits and systems and routines. So like, Mm. again, I feel so fortunate that we have the, the weekly farmer's market then we have the market on the Saturday and so I try to structure my my week around that and then and then yeah you can have some fun about like I said you don't sort of 
yeah, don't give yourself a hard time and try to, t- you know, strip yourself of all your comforts. But yeah. you just little by little go, no, that's that beautiful product that I love. But yeah. oh, you know, look well, what, what it comes in, and oh, look, and I don't want to recycle it. I can't put I can't put it in my own jar. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, one of the things that I abstained from for the month but knew that I didn't want to abstain from for forever was dry biscuits like crackers oh, to have crackers. cheese cheese yeah. and crackers I love that <laughs> and you just can't buy them without plastic around it because they go soft mm. you know so they're not going to sell it you would... stuff that is going to be soft by the time yeah. you open it in your cardboard with no they're plastic called crackers for a, for a reason <laughs> yeah I know they crack, crack. crack. yeah <laughs> but recently and I didn't figure this out back then, two years ago, but recently I've found a really great recipe for crackers that I can bake myself and all of the ingredients I can get in bulk from the local Whole Foods supplier. And and it's brilliant. And that just makes me so happy that I'm no longer purchasing a product that requires plastic wrapping, even if that plastic is technically recyclable in soft plastic. You're practically glowing over oh, there, Ali, as oh. you say that I can see. So these are the sort of things that we're going to be doing in the cooking course. So I'll get that recipe from you. So yeah. we're going to have fun. So it's going to be nine weeks. It starts next Monday, everybody. Sorry for the short notice. But like, whew, if you're hot to trot, it's via Zoom. So yeah, you can do it anywhere. It's going to be on a Monday morning, three and a half hours. So nine o'clock till the one, you know with a half an hour break and it's nine weeks and we alternate each week with a practical cooking lesson so I'll be in the the kitchen via zoom which is going to be really fun for me down at community house do you have a camera person helping you do the zoom or it'll be me it'll be it'll be basic but adequate yeah yeah we, we had a little tech the other day and then you'll be a new lovely people dear listeners if you sign up to the course will be in your kitchens which is sort of cool because that's where we want to start actualizing you can cook along with yeah and it's sort of we went oh look it'd be nice to do it not via zoom but that's the way it is at the moment just yeah. keep it the way the world is right now but then we thought, look, on the other hand, it's about actualizing these practices and systems in your own life. So, yeah, in your own kitchen, in situ, is sort of cool. Yeah. Anyway, so hey, you- everyone, go to your cupboard. Have you got this? Have you? <laughs> People are going to be renovating their kitchens to make them look all house and garden before before I see into their the window into their life. You've got one week to renovate your kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing doilies, doilies, and things. Okay. So anyway, and then we alternate with these great theory sessions that are going to be like workshoppy theory sessions about food systems about the resources that are wasted throughout the food system the commercial one then looking at sustainable food systems being wise with water reducing household kitchen waste and then we, yeah, and how climate change is impacting the food systems in our communities so mm. there's a lot of really interesting data and information and exercises like fun exercises and role plays even yeah great yeah that'd be heaps of fun and I, I'm, I'm facilitating the course so I'm, I'm sure I'm going to do as many role plays as possible costumes <laughs> optional costumes but um so I think the course is going to be great if you look if you've been immersed in sustainability practices and information and permaculture for years and years Probably not for you. But anyone else, if you're starting out, when, oh, this sounds really exciting. And we can tailor it as well as we go along. I think I'll get the feel for who signs up and we'll see, yeah, where we go with it. But the basic... So, so the people who sign up can let you know what they want and you'll you shape things a bit for whoever signs up if you if you're interested i'll i'll talk to you i'll give you a chat and sort of like let you know this the basic structure of the course it's the first time we've run this course it was based on the yeah the jesuit college zero waste course mm. through their sustainability hub so it's been run a few times and yeah. it's great that the community house is taking it on so yeah it's the first time we're running it and then hopefully you'll run it into the future i think so yeah i think it's I've a great thing i've noticed a few thing. people commenting on your online post saying i want to do it but i can't do that time and it's going to be so fun we will be doing these great cooking practical sessions where we're actualizing yeah. great recipes about making it real mm. yeah so great yeah well you mentioned water there shall we play a song that you've written about water yeah so this is off our our latest ep which is, you know, a couple of years old now, but uh, Zucchini Clan, this is our second album, it's called Heirloom Mix, and we had this um, great collaboration again at Irene Art Studio with a wonderful fellow called Matrix Motion, who does, he's a great electronica producer and musician, so we collaborated him with him and wrote a whole other batch of songs. Yeah, let's Have hear this, this is called The Water Song.
when I'm really, really thirsty and I need something to drink, I stop and think, I stop and think, before I buy that plastic bottle in the shop in the fridge. Stop and think When I'm really, really thirsty and I need something to drink I stop and think I stop and think Before I buy the plastic bottle in the shop In the fridge I stop And wonder where the water came from And how many roads I travelled along It's not quite right, it feels so wrong And that's the reason we're singing the song Nine spoons of sugar in a can of soft drink I stop Cause did you know there are places Where you swim in the river Where you can drink while you swim Drink while you swim Cause the water's so crystal listening to Main FM 94.9 and this is Saltgrass turning the goldfields green. Today I'm talking to Madeline Hudson about her zero waste food course that she's running through Community House. If you're interested in the course, of course, you should go to the Community House website and book in. The course, of course. Of course. Of Sending course. into a musical. Very good. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah. Book so, through Community yeah, House. Yeah, so the Casamain Community House website, cch.org, I think, is where you would book in to do the course. And you don't have to be local to Casamain to do it. So any of you listening out there who are not local, feel free to mm. book on in because it's online as everything is these wow. days. You need to be able to Zoom, which most of most of you can. Got an aversion to Zoom. I reckon this would be a one a good one to zoom in if you haven't done much zoom because mm. it's actually really fun it's quite, actually quite intimate yeah because our little faces are right there it's like the brady bunch or like in the zoom yeah you get to zoom. see all your other classmates <clears throat> and yeah so tell us a bit more about the course what are some of the key things that you'll be covering aside from what you mentioned earlier well sort of the, i did cover most of the key things but i wanted to mention some of the fun things that we're going to be learning in the cooking side of cooking side of the course mm-hmm. which is just really evaluating that those 
what seemed like waste products. So just cooking your own veggie stock, like all all the old all the old school things that our it that our grandparents that. would do. You would yeah. not. You would value add the scraps. Yeah. You would do that sort of stuff. So nothing's gonna, wasted. No, and I was just laughing before talking about and that song, the water song, Mal Webb. Uh, he's an amazing multi instrumentalist, a musician who plays the horns on the, on the water song. He is part of the ensemble Formidable Vegetable with Charlie McGee, who's who's amazing. They sing all about permaculture. And he has a great song that goes, there's no such thing as waste, only things in the wrong place. And that's pretty much the central um, tenet of it. So we're going to, yeah, yeah we're going to learn some cool things about preserving, bottling, fermenting, pickling, drying, you know, making pestos. And, and we can just share. We sh- yeah. You know, it's sort of, it's a co-collaboration too in that regard. I'll mm. be facilitating it. And then we all come to the party with our, you might have some great ideas as well. Mm. So it's not like I'm the teacher or the expert. I'll be facilitating this great thing, this yeah. information and the cooking. And I'll have my areas that... I'm, yeah, experienced in and you can contribute as well. But you'll definitely learn lots of stuff and we can, yeah, share a lot of fun times together. Excellent. So what do you think people will get out of this course? What do you you think people will leave with? Yeah, it's interesting. Like the course was set up as a vocational sort of taster as well. Through the TAFE system. So it's got some links to units in the TAFE system. But it's not actually accredited this time around. You're just sort of running it. Yeah, as far as I believe, we'll let you we'll double check that. But it's um, again, it's going to be inspiring, informative. Hopefully, you can start actualizing these practices in your life, and it also could lead to pathways in food industry and sustainable food mm. industry. So, working at the farmers markets, or food distribution, or food reclamation, food hubs, community gardens mm. might just give you a taste of wh- which direction you actually want to go in. If you just know you love food and sustainability, and mm. how do you bring those two things together mm. outside of just how you operate your own home what else could you do with it so that people might get a few ideas about directions and things like that absolutely and i think what would be reaffirmed as well and that i think of all the time when i'm thinking of ways in my life to live like this and live low impact is it it is a real collaboration we're so interdependent mm-hmm. on each other which of course we are yeah. just like all systems on the earth uh, we're all linked and we all affect each other so to to practice these sustainable practices we all have to do it together so we see how we all fit in together and support each other yeah Hmm. absolutely pretty much it's some really fun sort of deconstructing of the current food systems and Mm. so saying looking at how these different different phases of the the current commercial food industry is pretty shocking so some of the stuff people may not expect from a cooking class is some of the more like bigger picture stuff about how the food industry works and what choices you can make when you're purchasing to avoid the hidden impacts yeah, of like our food industry. Hidden impacts behind the whole system and mm. then hidden water impacts, all the different things like to, to really reveal and peel back mm. the layers of what the true cost of food is mm. and how in our commercial non-organic system it's like it's not the true cost of food, like yeah. something's going wrong there badly and the earth is paying and we're paying these prices that are subsidised and, uh, yeah, it's not really what mm. food is worth. So there's a lot of yeah, a lot of damage going on in those systems. Absolutely. Um, well, maybe we'll, we'll head out with a song and, unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about. I just wanted to give a little plug for oh, Zucchini yes, Clan, Music for Free Range Folk. So you can go online, you can go to Bandcamp and you can um, buy our latest album, which is Electric Heirloom Mix, which is the water song was on. We've got some great songs on that album and you can buy our first album there and yeah, check us out because it's really fun. I'm enjoying being my character, Lily Pilly Green and yeah, walking the talk pretty much. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, as usual, there will be lots of links at the bottom of the podcast description and we'll have links to the Zucchini Clan as well as to the Community House course and some info generally about zero waste, not Mm. just food. And actually, we were talking earlier today, Mads. Yes. And I don't know if we're actually up (laughs) for it, but I was thinking perhaps we could... Just check in every like in a month or two months and just sort of set some personal challenges for ourselves. Definitely. About zero waste living because I don't know anyone who's really achieved that. And I think it's very difficult. Like even just doing plastic free for a month was really challenging. And you asked me earlier what one thing was that I really failed at. And it was actually my medication. I'm asthmatic and I couldn't get my asthma medication without it being a plastic 
container and even painkillers are usually in the plastic little cello mm. foil pop thing and it's it's really difficult well that goes into herbal medicines and well, not yeah well medicine, i know yeah. it is a whole different way i mean i'm seeing a naturopath right now and you should see the collection of plastic bottles i've got from all the pills she's giving me but yeah, we'll leave, that's a different story yeah, we'll leave that one out maybe for the moment but if anyone's but, out there listening we're really keen for people to mm. do to pop their hand up and say i want to do a zero waste or aim towards zero yeah. waste challenges so if you've got if you're keen in you know in your yeah. life we'll be really happy it'd be really fun to to track your progress yeah and so i might catch up with you meds in a month or two and we can maybe chat about whether we have succeeded in creating uh even just one element of our lives that we're challenged by right now in terms of zero waste if we could achieve one thing what would it be Mm. and and you know me cooking my crackers and how proud i am of them (laughs) is a really good example of how great it can feel when you when you figure it out and really it is just figuring it out isn't it it? and sometimes that's what people don't have they don't have the time to spend to think about it to figure it out and And that's where a course like this is so helpful because you've done the research for people Mm. and they can just come and benefit from your great ideas yeah and it's infinite like this is this will be a great scaffolding with lots of you know information and deconstruction of Mm. of systems that are unsustainable and looking at how we can create a sustainable future but it's actually infinite in terms of what you can bring to the table and how we can evolve and be more sustainable and tread lightly on this beautiful earth yeah yeah and support each other and have fun yes like again like talking to you today and thinking about facilitating this course I'm getting excited about that central element that it's not grounded in oh I've got to go without or oh the burden or the heavy weight it's not about like lack or absence or abstinence no it's it's not about lack it's about abundance and when we Mm. all put in and hang on oh that's one beautiful thing I'd love to share because when I was blockading back in the day I got to experience what it was when everyone everyone pulled their money resources because actually we were all on our Centrelink grants at the time to fund to fund us doing this direct <laughs> direct frontline action yeah. this direct action and I tell you what it was amazing to experience. I think that's that. a good use of the government's money. I'll just put that in there. No, right it now. is. It definitely yeah. is. So we were fine. We were totally fine. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, to do that, and we not only did we not go without, we just had so much. We had mm. so much because we literally we all. All for one and one for all. We just yeah. everyone put their money in. We all just looked after each other because that was the the imperative of being on a front line and living in a camp. And that was that stayed with me. That stayed with me as well. Yeah, that for sense a long of time. abundance that could happen exactly when you think you might be most hard pressed. The irony of that, yeah, yeah, when you're under pressure like that. So I think that's coming through a lot more. And I think mm. COVID really brought that up. Yes. That the abundance and the generosity and the spirit yeah. of us to connect and to share. So no one goes without. And again, Community and House is all possible. about that. Yeah. yeah, Community Lunch is all about making sure that we share the joy. Of, that's everyone's birthright. Salt. 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 Salt of the earth people. Grassroots change. Salt grass. Listen to all episodes of Turning the Goldfields Green on saltgrass.podbean.com. My name is Alison Hanley and I have been your host today. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. You can follow us on Facebook or subscribe to our emailing list to get reminders and updates about the show. We'd love to hear from you if you have ideas for topics, know someone amazing we should talk to, have a recycling tip, a green product review, or have a song recommendation. Again, email us at saltgrasspodcast at gmail.com. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf org.au. This program was produced in partnership with the Mount Alexander Sustainability Group, MASG, and Main FM.